0: Have you been curious about creating an ancestral altar, what the do's and don'ts are, or even if it's safe to create an altar, this is going to be a great episode for you. It's a bit outside of the norm because we do focus so much on your individual spiritual growth. It actually isn't that far out of the realm because when done correctly, I mean, yet there's not a right or wrong way to really do it, but... With the right intention, having an ancestral altar can be an incredible tool for healing, for activating your spiritual abilities, psychic gifts, for bringing forth and manifesting your desires, for processing your day, and so on and so forth. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you can create one. But first, I think it's important that we talk about why. This is Euphoric Evolution, a podcast all about inner spiritual growth for abundance, where we bridge the spiritual into the practical, the energetic into the physical. I'm Mekosi Jezer, I'm a spiritual teacher and oracle speaker and author, and I'm passionate about catalyzing tomorrow's leaders into consciousness and transformation. So if you're a spiritual seeker and know you're called for more, Let's begin your transformation. Why should you have an ancestral altar? And I love to go and look at, okay, what were the ancient practices and why did those exist? What was the purpose of that? Because no matter what your ethnic background, (laughs) at some point, your ancestors had altars. And listen, altars also exist in religions as well because altars serve as this portal between the physical and non-physical realms. It stands as a physical representation of our connection to the beyond, to our divine selves, our divine aspects. And having an altar can be a really profound tool and experience in your life. So our ancestors kept altars mainly because they held a certain perspective. They had a perspective that number one, no human being is an individual. In fact, there's nothing about yourself that is just you. And even just being an individual, we are a collective of consciousnesses. (laughs) We are the result of ancestors over many, 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 many generations and also the land that we lived on and the air that we breathed and the food that we ingested and the experiences that we had were imprinted on our DNA and on and on and on and on and on. And so the ancestral altar serves as a reminder of that connection and a way to keep that connection front of mind and also to really leverage it. So an ancestral altar is not so much about worshiping ancestors, which I think is a big misunderstanding when it comes to cultures that have ancestral reverence. Reverence is not the same as worshiping. It is really about your connection to yourself and being reminded of who you are and where you come from. I think that we've been seeing this resurgence in the importance of ancestry, like how many of us have gotten DNA tests recently, right? And all of the conversation around, well, what does it mean to be black or be white or be insert whatever ethnicity What I'm seeing is that there is this yearning that we have because so many of us have been disconnected from our ancestral cultures and our ancestral ways because we like literally, our families got up and moved or through more nefarious (laughs) things that happened like total genocides and wiping out of certain ethnic groups and so on and so forth. So I feel like people have that desire right now more than ever, to have that connection to something. And I feel like having the connection to your ancestors is powerful because it reminds you of who you are. Now, I can just hear that you might be thinking like, yeah, but I have some really horrible ancestors. And there's a delineation that isn't talked about a lot when it comes to ancestors and ancestral altars. I learned this in my own initiations that there is a difference between dead relatives and ancestors. That when we're talking about ancestors, like with a capital A, what we're talking about is the divine light within them, right? When we're talking about dead relatives, we're talking about the identity or the ego of a specific person that lived before. And that person, that individual may have done really awful things. And simultaneously, even the quote-unquote worst people have this light within them, have this divine spark, this beauty, this purity, this consciousness in them. And so when we're talking about an ancestral altar, our intention for the altar is not that we are calling on our great-great-uncle molester Joe, but that we are accessing the divine part or the elevated aspect, right? Because we all have a higher and lower self. That is part of being human. But once you have shed that aspect of yourself, meaning you've transitioned to the other side and also there's stuff in between, but even on the other side, you've moved through and navigated your attachments to this plane and then move on, right? And become an elevated ancestor. So once you've reached this status of elevated ancestor, that's when you're able to have influence in someone's life, in your descendant's life, right? So when we're using our ancestral altar, it's really important that we understand this delineation, right? Because what we don't want to do when we are using our ancestral altar is think that it's only about our grandmother that passed away that we miss. Yes, she matters. And also, we have literally (laughs) thousands and thousands and thousands of ancestors going back to the beginning of time, right? And we also have other connections as well with certain aspects of nature and spirit guides and so on and so forth. So we utilize our ancestral altar as this point of connection, as this reminder, we come and we sit at our altar, we connect to ourselves. And this is where we come to really center ourselves, ground ourselves in where we're going, where we've been. And it's kind of like a moment to pause. I've noticed as well that there's a lot of ideas about what an ancestral altar has to be. And depending on you and your ancestors, and your circumstances in this life, and so on and so forth. The altars are going to vary because as human beings, we are varied. So let's talk a little bit about some of the best practices. And keep in mind that when I'm sharing these things, these are not like commandments. (laughs) Yes, some of them really are important. However, it's going to be important for you to develop that connection and learn how to be guided into how to develop your ancestral altar. Because I'm me. I'm not your ancestors, right? <laughs> I mean, there could be an aspect of me that maybe is an ancestor. for you. Anyway, that's a whole another topic for another day. And maybe vice versa, right? But again, that's a very complex topic that we're not talking about today, because we will be here for like 30 minutes. But let's talk about some of the best practices and some of the FAQ, some of the frequently asked questions about having an ancestral altar. Number one, there's a reason why there's a saying that cleanliness is next to godliness because this space really represents your inner world. And we want to keep our ancestral altar as clean, as organized, dust-free, et cetera, we want to be quite meticulous about our altar. And so because of that, it's ideal to use a white cloth for your altar, really representing that purity, that pure foundation, that beauty, etc. and to regularly clean your altar. Along that same vein, you don't want your altar to be like in the middle of traffic in your house. So you don't want your altar to be in a place where people are just like walking right through it, able to just easily steal stuff from it, etc. You want it to be a sacred place. So that could be above a fireplace. It could be on the mantle of a fireplace. It could be on a buffet on the side of your kitchen. Or maybe like I have an altar that's here in my office and it's you know off to the side on a wall and that way I can pull up my pillow and just be in that space whenever I need to. The other thing on that as well is I do not recommend that you put it in your bedroom where you have sexual relations unless you put it like in the closet. Cuz you want to think about this as like not that sex is a dirty thing cuz that's not what I'm saying. I know people would be loving to just take what I say and run with it. <laughs> we want to be thinking about, right, is like, if your grandmother <laughs> was on that altar, would you want her watching you? No, that would just kind of feel a little awkward. <laughs> that would feel awkward, right? So you want to have it in another space. Also, don't have it by a toilet. Like, that's where you poop. So don't put it in the bathroom either. I also feel like ancestral altars are really just great for bringing family together. So I like for it to be like in an accessible place that the family can access. I notice a lot of when I go to certain restaurants, go to certain nail salons, etc. Because I know Abby know what altars look like. And there are altars all around. I see them all the time and nobody else seems to realize that they're around. But usually those altars are in pretty central places. They're just not where everybody's walking through, right? So that can be really helpful. The other thing as well about where to put it, if you live in a small space or if you are traveling or maybe you're early on in your journey and you're living with other family and you're not yet comfortable building like a whole altar, it's okay to have an altar box right? To have a small abalone shell or a wooden box of some sort or a chest that contains the contents and then you can just open it up and maybe pull out a cloth and set your items on to have that connection point. I think that's a really beautiful way to do that. If you are building in your spiritual practice and you are traveling quite a bit, having this like mini version can also be really valuable to just help you stay connected and grounded to who you are. So what do you put on an altar? One of the really great things that you can put on an altar are pictures, pictures representing your family that at least you do know, or you know maybe you were able to get some, some pictures off of Ancestry, but some pictures of loved ones who have already transitioned onto the other side. And the rule here, I am going to give like a, a more solid rule on that. Do not put living people on the altar. You don't want to be calling them to become an ancestor. You don't want to be putting that intention of like, yes, I'm talking to my ancestors and there's like a living person that's on your altar. We don't want to do that. So, no living people there, but people who have made their transition and you want to maintain that connection to their spirit. Or even if you didn't have a great relationship with that person in real, you know, in this reality, but you do want to have a better relationship with them on the other side, which can be done, you can also put them, put an image on the altar. You can also put, If you have some of their cherished or beloved items, you can also place some of these items there. Maybe, you know, a piece of jewelry. Or in my case, I have a Bible from my great grandmother that sits there on my altar. Maybe it's a, I don't know, some of the smaller things that have been passed down to you that maybe you're not using as much. This is one way that it can still be close to your heart and still have a place in your life, right? The elements, right? So an altar Mm -hmm. reminds us of where we come from, and it's a great place to also connect with the aspects of ourselves that come from nature, because there is no aspect of us that exists without all of the elements, right? So you can put items that represent each of the elements on your altar. I keep a A tree, a money tree on mine. I have, you know, you can place wooden objects to represent, you know, Mother Earth or that earth element. You can have incense there. You can have candles. Water is also a really beautiful thing to put. Crystals, beads, fragrances as well. Because this is an ancestral altar, you can have some of the things that you're... Well, now I'm going into offerings. I'm just going to blend these two. Let's also talk about offerings as well. So it is very common to utilize offerings as an energetic exchange. Okay, And so the concept of energetic exchange is that when we wish to see something in our lives, we have to be willing to let go of some energy in some way, shape, or form. So some offerings that you can make Candles can be used as an offering. Incense can also be an offering. You can also use food as an offering, sweet things, you know, what you had for dinner, but the very first serving, not the leftovers of that. And it doesn't have to be a lot, it can be a very small amount. And what I was about to say before was because we're talking about ancestral offerings, we can also utilize some of the things that our ancestors liked right? That they loved. And so, you know, that could be some of their favorite wines, right? Or maybe it's, you know, their favorite tea, for example. That can also be something that you put oils can go on there. Again, every altar is going to look different and it's going to be, it's going to change over time and that's okay. You'll also find that the more that you connect with and use your altar The more you'll get insight or be given gifts that belong on the altar for you as you are expanding and growing, et cetera. And then maybe there will even be some things that are on your ancestral altar that, you know, are very special to you and you've imbued them with so much energy over time that then maybe an item off of there ends up being something that you gift to your children and so on and so forth or someone you really care about that's like your nephew or I don't know. Anyway, so the last thing that I want to say about approaching your ancestors or approaching your ancestral altar is just the importance of the language that you use while you are in that space because this is a space where you're coming and you are shifting your consciousness and now you are really proclaiming what it is that you desire to experience in the world. And the language that we use there matters and also has a big influence on what we experience at the altar. So when you approach your ancestors, it's really important that you be very clear that you are calling on your ancestors who have your highest good in mind, right? That you are there to connect with the divine light that exists in your ancestry, right? Not calling forth all of the energetic crud, right? You're calling on on that elevated aspect of yourself because you're your own ancestor too, by the way. <laughs> That's a different conversation that probably goes with the other conversation. Maybe that'll be an episode at some point. And also this is a place for communication, right? So it's a place where we can speak out what we are struggling with, what's not going well, And simultaneously, we want to speak to like, this is what I'm struggling with and I'm grateful for blank and I'm experiencing more abundance and healing and harmony and deeper connection and so on and so forth. So don't leave the altar on a negative note on all of the things that are hard for you right now or that you're struggling with. Leave it on where you're going. Speak to what you are calling for to be your experience in life. And listen, most of us, well many of us grew up in environments where we did a lot of praying, and praying is like one direction, but your ancestral altar is a place for you to receive as well. So after you have said what you wanted to say, expressed, etc., make sure to give yourself time to just hear and receive and gain insight, downloads, etc. And don't be surprised if, as you begin building this relationship and this connection, that your dreams expand, that your spiritual abilities start to progress, that more abundance is able to be open to you, and so on and so forth. I hope this has been helpful. If this was helpful, or if you have any more questions that you'd like me to go into on another episode... Just hit me up on Instagram in my DMs at the Royal Shaman. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Euphoric Evolution. If you found this valuable, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review with your biggest takeaway. Be sure to share with someone you care about if you know they'll also find value in this episode. You can also visit theroyalshaman.com to take my free consciousness quiz where you'll uncover your current stage of consciousness, identify your current blockages, and define which steps you can take next to align with your highest potential. You can also see the show notes to find our socials. In euphoria.